0: Brothers and sisters, what has happened that we have come to a place where nearly half of all millennial Christians now believe that it is wrong, totally wrong to share one's faith with another and hope that they may one day share in the same faith. Brothers, and sisters, do we understand that this is the foundation of what our forefathers died on, the disciples and our spiritual fathers in the faith, if you will. They died for the sake of the thing that a half of the millennials today who profess to be believers say is evil, is wrong. What are we kidding ourselves? And we see that it is getting worse and worse and worse by the generations. Why? What is going on? I want to submit to you that in this generation, there is something that is a catalyst for this. And that is the mere fact that whenever we can have a discussion with someone else in our culture and there is a disagreement in that they believe something different from us, immediately it is considered as judgment or offense is taken. Brothers, sisters, we take offense these days more easily than ever before in history. If I just say something that someone doesn't agree with, it is considered hate speech in this culture. And the laws are even coming in on government levels where this is becoming the norm, where the culture is simply bleeding through into what we make as law. And so brothers, and sisters, it is easy to Have freedom of speech fall away for the sake of considering things as hate speech, which are simply things that offend us. And of course, I'm not saying there's no such thing as hate speech. There is, and we must protect races, ethnicities, etc., and even people over certain religious groups from from suffering, from oppression, from persecution. We we sure, surely we must do that. Of course. But this is not it. What I'm talking about is how we are getting offended so easily that it has become for the average millennial Christian something wrong to try and share what you believe with someone else and hope that they would share in that belief, too. Isn't that not the Great Commission itself? Brothers, do you understand the reality and the weight of this? We are what happens here is we are seeing that 50 percent of millennial Christians do not believe in the lost things, the last thing. Actually, the last thing that Jesus himself said before he left. Jesus said, go into the world and proclaim the gospel, the good news to every creature. Why? So that they can share in the same so they can enter the kingdom of God, this kingdom of light. We're all a part of now. We are denying 50 percent, 47 percent. They're denying it. They're saying it's wrong to do that. I mean, that's this is born a statistic by Barna Group, one of the mo- the leading statistics um, uh, market research companies for Christian research in the world. and the reality is is that the reason that Messiah focused so much on discipleship and proclaiming the good news where he even he sent out his disciples. he did all this so that it can go forward and the reason was is that that is how the world has changed. That is how countries, that is how nations are changed. That is what most of the nations, Sorry, all of the nations who it is going well with today have a foundation, even if it's a long ago, a foundation that is biblical. That is why they have prospered. And yes, things may be changing, but that is where the initial prosperity comes from for many of these nations. And so if we take away the sharing of faith We will see a decline. We will see nations declining. We will see people declining. We will see people not coming to him and not hearing of him because, oh, we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to offend anyone by telling them the truth. I'm not talking about hate speech. I'm talking about just telling someone the truth, telling them simply that God loves them simply that they need to turn from sin. We read in two Timothy four, verse three, the following that. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. So they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou on all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. He says here that if people turn away their ear from the truth, what do you do? You do not turn away. You make foolproof your ministry by being an evangelist. That is how you make foolproof. That's how you let your ministry flourish. That is how you do have a ministry, which we all must do. We, must, we are all in ministry, brothers, and sisters, because we're all going to come before him one day and he's going to ask us. Did we do the last things he told us to do That is to proclaim the gospel? And if our answer is no, because that is wrong, God, how can I tell anyone that's evil? That's wrong. You think God is going to take that? Well, no, we can't allow that to be our realities because those are the lukewarm. Those are the ones whom God will vomit out of his mouth. from and church. We are seeing this as part of these churches who are making people come in, who are just seeker friendly churches, compromising the true gospel to just make people say yes. Well, they are not true converts. They don't truly repent of their sins. And so now these people are the next generation and they are the ones who oh, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So we're not going to tell them anything that's going to maybe offend them, even if it means that it is for the salvation of their souls for them to turn from their sin. The reality is it's not always easy to hear the truth. People don't like hearing the truth, but the truth will set you free. And brothers, and sisters, I know you may think, well, PD. That was for the disciples. The disciples were the ones that Jesus sent out. And, you know, we are not like that anymore. We don't have to do that anymore or on that scale or anything. And we're not those disciples. So it's not for us. But we actually see how Jesus himself did not just send out his disciples. He gathered more and more and more. And he sent out large teams or groups of people. We read, for example, here in Luke 10. Verse one, and after this, the master appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray the master of the harvest to send our workers into his harvest. You see, we see Jesus himself here say pray to God that he would send more workers to enter the harvest brothers. Going back to that statistic about almost 50% of millennial Christians in effect, then believe that this prayer that Jesus commanded us to pray is wrong to pray because he commanded us to pray a prayer that there would be a raising up of a generation of people who would go into the world and proclaim the gospel, go into the harvest, be workers in the fields. And those who are the workers will truly be repaid for their wages. They will be paid. And those who don't work won't get paid. That's how it works in any field. And God is a one, a a, a master who pays for every labor. How are you laboring? Are you laboring at all? Because if you don't labor at all, you will not receive wages. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, PD, okay, I get it. I get it. How? Do I start doing evangelism. That's just this term. But how do we practically get started? And number one is, is to breathe and live the gospel everywhere you go. And that is simply the fact that You need to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You need to breathe, think on his things, live on him, everything. He is his word. You need to think on it, speak on it. When you come in, when you go out, everything you do, your children, when you teach them, everything, your whole life needs to revolve. I don't care if you're a minister or not. It doesn't matter if you're a minister. It's not about being a minister of the gospel. It's not about being, having it as your career. This is about the average believer needs to have their life revolving around the truth of Messiah, around God, his word, prayer, etc. And then what will happen is your life will be so transformed that when you enter the workplace and everywhere else, you don't have to say a word to anyone, but they will see your life and they will say truly there is something about your life. What is it? Why are things going well with you? Why are you blessed? Why are you doing the right thing? When you have nothing to personally gain from it, why do you choose righteousness? Because people know it when it's righteous and when they see that on your life, they will wa- they will want to know where is the source of it. And then you can tell them it's because of Yeshua, it's because Jesus, because Jesus is the one that changes us. He's the only one who can do it to change us in a way that can make us that light to the world, because he is the true light that lives in us to be a light. We are just a lantern that needs to be lit with him by the Holy Spirit into the world like the virgins, if the virgins when they're they didn't have oil because they weren't in the word. They weren't making sure their lamps were trimmed. It wasn't burning. They weren't ready when God came back for them because they weren't laboring in the field. And then another way is simply to reach those in your immediate circle. That means that those are on your family, your friends. That means that when you have a hobby, you go out and you do. And you meet other people there when you go into a workplace in that place. Now you're going to start actually being a lot, not just in terms of I look like it, but now I'm going to actually start reaching out to people. I'm going to take risks and I'm going to tell them things like, brother, is there anything I can pray for you for? You're going to you're going to say like, you're going to go and ask the father for a word for a person around you so he can give you work for them so that they can be encouraged to and so they can come in. That's how people are changed as if you allow the Father to work through you. But that means you need to step out of your comfort zone and do and say things that are that are crazy. Like the other day, you know, there was this lady who in my end, I was like sitting in a, um, a boardroom and she had a toothache. And I just stepped out and I was like, hey, can I just pray for you and God healed her. And a month later, she got baptized like that happened in a boardroom of a company like and that is just something that can follow your life. Miracles like that. And then the third way that you can do evangelism is to reach those not immediately around you. In other words, you can actually go out of your way to go to a soup kitchen or to some kind of an event, or or just go to a place where you know there's a lot of people who are in need, like the lost. Like just as what Jesus did, he went to those who were in who need who are who are sick, right? And that's why he said that they are in those who are sick or in need of a physician. That's why I go to them. In the same way, we need to go to the sick, those who are in need of help, who are lost so we can minister the truth to them, so we can be a helping hands. We can give to them, feed the poor. And if we do all that, that's a way of reaching those not in our immediate circle. And so, brothers and sisters, I hope that this just just understand my heart. This is important. This is so important because if this decline continues. We will see the nation's decline alongside of it. And, you know, you can say, Peter, I don't care about the nation. The nation is too far gone. I say you don't have the heart of Yeshua if you think that because he came and he poured his whole entire life into the world. He went for the lost. He went for those who were in need. He went for the sick and then he died for them all. And you ought to do the same. You ought to be willing to lay down your life for even your enemy. That's what Yeshua did. And he said, walk like I do. So you need to cultivate a love for those around you, no matter who they are, no matter how deep their sin is, because he saved you and you and me in our sin. And he desires to save the world before he comes back. Yes, he's coming back swiftly, but there is still time and we need to make use of the time so we can get as many people as possible into the kingdom of God. So that every ear who has ears may hear. God bless you and keep you. Shan's face upon you, love his counts upon you, give you shalom, and blessing. Shalom.